Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy Leffler, and we're really excited to be here for Season 2 of Monday Morning Conversations with Nancy and Dan. The frogs are all ready. Are you? We always like to spend a little bit of time introducing ourselves and letting you know why it's, we're so passionate about doing this show. In November of 2000, our then 17-year-old daughter, Leah, died in a car accident. Meeting the grief of her death helped us to more fully understand the territory of grief. We each took our own path on that journey, and we've now arrived in a place where we can join together <coughs> to help others navigate their grief journeys. Leah's death provided a doorway to our transformation, one that we never expected. Our passion is changing the conversation around grief and helping those we talk to find meaning, purpose, and joy again so they can fully participate in their lives. We invite you to join today's conversation and help us build community. Welcome to Monday Morning Conversations with Nancy and Dan, where conversations build community. Our Monday Morning Conversations are meant to create a safe space where respectful dialogue is encouraged. Our intention is to promote understanding by listening when having difficult conversations. We hope to offer you resources as you travel your personal journey. You're listening to Monday Morning Conversations with Nancy and Dan on Frogtown Radio, WFNU-FM 94.1. Our in-studio phone, phone number is 651-313-5125 if you have a question for us in the course of our show. And good morning, everyone. This is Dan Leffler, and uh, good morning, Nancy, and Happy New Year. This is, uh, as you said, the start of our second season. And we begin with um, one of my favorite George Harrison tunes, Beware of Darkness, is a poetic post-Beatle breakup reflection. And why did I pick this one? And how does it relate to grief and you know, our Monday morning conversations? Well, in the second verse, um, beware of thoughts that linger. And in the third, beware of sadness. And I think these are appropriate uh, as we move through um, today's show, and I can't think of any more appropriate uh, song for this time and this place, and we can only bring awareness. And with that, let's listen. Be word of darkness. Watch out now. Take a beware of falling swingers Falling all around you The pain that often lingers In your fingertips Beware Watch out now, take a beware the thoughts that linger Winding up inside your head The hopelessness around you 
Thank you for that song, Dan. Uh, as I've mentioned in previous shows, the music always gives me an opportunity to get present to our topic, and that one certainly did today. Our topic today is grieving as a rite of passage. And what do we mean by that? How can grieving be a rite of passage? And I hope we'll be able to put a, put, um, a little reframe on our view of grieving and why and how we look at it as, as a rite of passage. We were talking in late December and you know, into the new year about uh, the death of a friend and an and acquaintance, and we recognize that death is the last rite of passage that um, we'll experience, and that um, it made me you know, really think about what it, means uh, as a rite of passage and um, as we talked yesterday you know before we show uh, before the show we you know, review the notes that we have taken and um, the quote that I came upon was um, it's a passage it's not meant for us to linger here and I think that is something that you know, we need to recognize and be aware of as we talk about this. Yes, yeah. yeah, so many people that we talk to get stuck in, okay, my loved one has died. I want things to be the way that they used to be. What do I do now? I can't move on because they're not here with with me. And and that's so sad because when we stay in that place, we don't go through that passage. And when we go through the passage, we receive blessings and grace that allow us to walk that difficult road and that um, that there's an alchemy in um, the gifts that we receive as we go through that passage. So 
Before we get into a, a little deeper into grief, let's talk about a rite of passage yeah, in general. There are a lot of rite of passages, and the dictionary says that a rite of passage is, is a ritual or ceremony signifying an event in a person's life indicating a new, different status, usually in reference to adolescence. And another definition is a ceremony or an event marking an important stage in someone's life, like birth, uh, coming of age, marriage, and, and death. Yeah, those are the big ones. Those are, those are the big ones. And for those, there are already ceremonies or rituals in place. I'd like to suggest, though, you can create your own ceremonies and rituals to mark um, a rite of passage. Yes, there are rites of passage to mark deaths, like memorial services, and we can make those anything that we want them to be. But what about grieving the death of, in our case, our daughter? How did we create ceremony and ritual to be able to move through that? And One of the things we did is to have a remembrance gathering on what would have been her 18th birthday, inviting her friends and our friends over and we had a ceremony where we, um, it was a Piscataway um, Native American um, ceremony where we um, took a piece of red cloth, a piece of tobacco, and put a prayer in there. And we made prayer bundles, and then we hung them on a tree that, that we had, and, and everyone had the opportunity to share a memory of Leah if they wanted to. And that was that was um, looked upon by both her friends and, and our friends as pretty out there. They didn't know what to expect. They kept asking, do I have to bring anything? What do I have to do? What are you going to do? And we said, trust us and, and join us. And everyone was so, I'll use one of my favorite words, gobsmacked. Gob, I, I can't say it, but <laughs> I'll, I'll use it. Godsmacked by, gobsmacked by what happened and and so those are the kinds of meaningful rituals that um, you can create for yourself and we'll talk about more of those as we uh, you know get into the program um, as we go through these passages uh, each tradition you know as we grow in you know our spiritual journey um, and in our religious practices you know there may be you know baptisms and confirmations, certainly marriages, mm-hmm. last rites, uh, um, and as we've talked about. And in other cultural tra- uh, traditions, there are um, coming-of-age like the um, bar mitzvah or the kinsinera. I think I pronounced that right, um, that uh, bring a awareness to not only the individual, but to the community that uh, this person is stepping into something that is going to change them. Yeah, and as we continue to talk about rituals, both both um, large and small, keep in mind the three phases, and we'll, we'll go more deeply into this, but keep in mind the three phases of a ritual are separation, liminal liminality and incorporation and whether you are uh, crossing the street for the first time by yourself you're changed by that 
before th- that day you you couldn't cross the street by yourself now you you, you are now a crosser um of the street alone or whether you're going through um a major um rite of passage like marriage you're changed on the other side of, of that rite of passage so keep in mind those three um uh, phases as we talk about some of these other rites of passage. And note for yourself, when you've gone through that rite of passage, how you changed. And uh, just to go back, liminality is the individual experience. So you are now consciously aware that as you step through that portal, that threshold, cross that threshold, and that was a name that I had given you oh, a long time ago yeah. um, as, as a nickname. Threshold crosser, yes. Yeah. Um, you become detached from your previous state, you know, whether it was childlike. Um, and I'm reminded of, and you mentioned the um, crossing the street, you know, the first time unsupervised. What a... Um, we're trying to instill that um, now in in our granddaughter. Um, oh, we have. You know, looking <laughs> both ways before you cross the street in an awareness. And liminality uh, talks about um, that, your awareness that... Um, I think it's where you become aware because it's that space between where you were before and where you're going. So it's that opportunity I remember after Leah died I felt like I was in that space for a really long time didn't know who I was anymore based upon who I had been just a day a week or a a moment before that time so um, liminality is that space between when you're becoming aware of What's going on? Right, the person that uh, you're, you're going to become. Exactly. And then incorporation, the last phase, is embodying that uh, new awareness. And, uh, and that is a bit in a piece of being present, yeah. um, knowing who you are and uh, – bringing that authentic self into the world so that you can show up and how you show up is an important piece yeah yeah so we've talked about some of the um sacramental um rites of passage but some of the ones that we all go through uh, we already talked about crossing the street unsupervised Riding your bike, riding your bike without your training wheels, um, going to preschool. I'll let you mention the other one. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I had to mention this one because, you know, looking through old photographs and uh, seeing um, that transition from, well, what I what I wrote down was big boy pants. Yeah. I... Uh, have pictures of um, our ancestors, and even in in some of the photos from my childhood, where I was in short pants, and then you turn the page, and boy, I've got big boy pants on now, and I can 
you know. Yeah, well, what's the age, the, the appropriate age to go from shorts and knee socks for boys to long pants? Um, four. Four? <laughs> okay. My inner three-year-old uh, rebels against that, and uh, he also rebels about wearing pants at all, but that's another story for another time. Um, baby Danny uh, just uh, doesn't uh, think pants are appropriate at any time. Except maybe in a snowstorm. Uh, I'd also like to say His good morning. His granddaughter mor- would agree. Yeah. I'd also like to uh, say good morning to all our friends out there in uh, Radio Land and those who are listening, uh, particularly uh, those folks in North Carolina who, uh, who tuned in this morning. Uh, what other adolescent rights do we have, Nance? Well, graduations, uh, proms, dances, first date first kiss and each Um, of those are special yeah um and most of them are marked as special well i think there's a a more of a trend now yeah graduations from preschool what awareness do you have when that happens but uh, parents celebrate those things and sometimes in big ways that are uh in my opinion, uh, can be overdone, overplayed. Well, yeah, it's it's looking at um, celebrating ceremonies in ways that are meaningful to the person that's going through the ritual, and sometimes that doesn't happen in those situations. Um, but but there hasn't, like you said, there hasn't been an awareness of that until now, and I think it's changing, or maybe it's changing in our world, and that's why we recognize it um also driver's licenses i remember when both of our kids got their driver's license that was such a big thing um sweet 16 party for leah that was a huge thing i can remember getting my license uh the the day before we went to prom and that was a big deal because uh (laughs) i didn't want my mom (laughs) driving me to uh to prom and uh, uh, and all and that, of that wasn't too stress provoking for them. Yeah, exactly. Glad my mom didn't know that. Yeah, well. <laughs> yes, we went to prom together. Yeah, <laughs> long time ago. Yeah, and then there's retirement and the parties that go with it. But more importantly, the changes that that occur after that, uh, and 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 those can be. Those can be embraced or those can be scary. Um, yeah, and bringing awareness to those things as, as yeah, you and, and turn the page and, and start a new chapter. And a rite of passage that I'm facing in just a few months, um, a friend of mine was talking about it on Facebook this morning, um, turning 70, flipping that dial on the first um, – number of my age from six to seven and i'm still not used to being 60 something and now i've got to embrace 70 and and it's i don't know how i feel about that i'm I'm gonna really do some thinking about it and and definitely some writing about it because i don't feel 70 whatever that means I, i don't feel the way I used to perceive 70 as as a younger person, and yet it's a huge rite of passage because most of my life is through the rear 
um, rearview mirror. And, um, yeah, it brings up a lot of stuff for me. Well, yeah, I think for everyone who takes the time to really embrace and embody what it is. Um, and, you know, you mentioned um, driver's license. Certainly that's one, you know. The, um, an, uh, another one that comes to mind is the first time we traveled out of the country. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a awareness that now we were in an environment that was you know, totally foreign, um, different language, uh, different customs, a different way of moving through the world. And yet, um, well, we, and we were the same people. We were the same people, but that that's a good reminder of that's how I described early grief for me, being in a country um, that I'd never been in before, that I didn't know the language or the customs, and I was expected to thrive. Navigate it without a Navigate map. Navigate it without a map. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was... And who... And at that point, I didn't want to do it. You know, I I was in this town, this country that I had never been in before. I didn't know the language or the customs, and I didn't want to learn them because I was in too much pain. Yeah, and you know, we've used uh, the analogy of uh, being in a wilderness, mm-hmm. being uh, you know cast upon a rocky shore. And, um, you know, there's plenty of... And that's uh, that liminal space. That's the liminality. When you're in that place, the wilderness, whatever, however it shows up for you, when you're in that liminality of not knowing where you are, that's the second phase of rites of passages. Well, that's a good good one um, because the separation would be... A, a death mm-hmm. or a change, whatever the change is, and we've talked about that. Whether it's changing of a job, changing of a relationship, um, and the liminality, um, and, and, and the thing that comes to mind is, and, and one of my favorites for talking about grief is the time that we spent at the beach, and um, during that time, the. Uh, waves and mm-hmm. when you're in the trough of a wave that is the moment when you're at your lowest when the sea is coming up to uh, rise and you're in that space of unknowing and when you hit the crest and um, embody it you can surf that wave whether it's body surfing or just splashing around like I did, but you are uh, aware. Or having the wave come and crash you, crash over you and move you halfway up the shore, which is um, <laughs> pretty jarring when it happens oh, yeah. unexpectedly, which is perfect description of a wave of grief. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit more about grief as a rite of passage what does that look like um through the lens of these three phases 
So as Dan said, the the separation is the loss, and that's whatever the loss is, whether it's the death of a loved one or one of the other many aspects of grief that we've identified on the show or that you're um, experiencing for yourself. So in my case, um, Leah's death was the separation, you know, and and then coping with living in unfamiliar territory was the liminality between the loss and knowing that life must go on. But even more importantly than that, learning how to make that passage. As Dan Dan talked about at the beginning of the show, um, grief is a rite of passage, which which implies action. So how can I find the... um, tools that that I need, the resources that I, I need to learn the language of, of this new territory, to find a roadmap, to figure out how I can make the passage out of this um, unknown territory. And the answer to that is different for everyone, because what works for me, well, what worked for me didn't work for Dan. Um, I don't know if what worked for Dan would have worked for me. Um, just a permission to find your own way. Um, whatever that is, yeah. Whatever that is, yeah. And then assuming the new role of being um, a daughterless, a motherless daughter, a, <laughs> a mother without a daughter, uh, physical in physical form. So I had to um, assume becoming a daughterless mother. Um, and that message that I received shortly after she died, that losing her was too high a price to pay to not live the life I was meant to live. And so to, in order to honor her, I needed to listen and heed, heed that message. And it wasn't always easy. But if we don't enter that passage because it's unknown or it feels too hard or overwhelming or because... Maybe I'm thinking of a passageway that, uh, like a path um, that is overgrown with um, trees or or brush. We have to clear away that path so we can see where we're going. When we deny ourselves going through this passage, we also deny ourselves the gifts that we receive as we're making that passage. In my case, the blessings and grace that I received that allowed me to stay on that path and know which <laughs> which trees to cut to get through the passage and which ones to leave there that were going to help me um, navigate. And while I was hacking through the bushes and trying to find my path, um, it was the awareness that um, I was in that un known territory and that I needed to have some help, some guidance, some assistance in making that uh, journey. Yeah, you can get lost in that. And yeah, and and it's easy. And sometimes what uh, people attempt is to, I'm going to stay right where I am because I am safe now. And I know this pain. Yeah. I can do this. Right. And um, it it was the awareness for me that that pain wasn't serving 
and that if I stayed stuck, I was just going to continue to spiral in a direction that didn't serve me. And wasn't healthy. And wasn't healthy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I often talk about in the early days, all I wanted to do was uh, stay in bed and eat chocolate chip cookies and um, never emerge, and hopefully I would never have to feel that pain of losing Leah. And now I, I think about that now, and there's so many things that are, weren't serving me with <clears throat> with that um, with <clears throat> with that thought process. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I quickly realized that that wasn't going to help me to discover the life that I was meant to live. So um, it's it's well giving yourself permission to do what's right for you. Find someone to talk with. Find someone to um, who, who will listen to you. Chances are, the way that you do life is the way that you do grief. Not chances are. Yeah. You can quote me on that. The way that you do life is the way that you do grief. Um, and it's, first of all, figuring out the way you do life that's in service to who you are and, and to those you serve. And do grief the same way. If you like to talk uh, about things, find someone who will listen. If you're a writer... Write about it. Writing was one of the, even before I wrote my book, writing was one of uh, my biggest go-tos because things come out through my fingers, whether I'm typing or writing, that I can't get to any other way. And I'm always astounded at what comes through. So find what works for you. And... Something that you said, you know, uh, about getting stuck and using the tools that you have. You know, the purpose of this program is to talk about those tools and to help build your toolbox so that um, when a uh, the pain of grief enters your life, and not if, yeah, yeah when. when um, you have uh, something that you can fall back on to um, give you the uh, vision that, hey, that change is possible. And it is. It's talking about um, a rite of passage is the acknowledgement that change has occurred. You've experienced a loss of some kind. You're in that space where you don't know what to do or where to go. And then when you do have a direction and you can make the journey, you begin to live that and embody it so that uh, the pain is uh, kind of falls away. Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, we talked a little bit about rituals that you can create for yourselves, rituals or ceremonies that you can create for yourselves when you're in a place like that. And they may not be something that you invite people to to celebrate a marriage or a retirement party or a graduation party, but they can be something that 
can really help to move the needle on your pain um, and help you to move through this passage. Um, some you know, we talked about the remembrance gathering that we had for Leah that really Im, um, impacted her friends and our friends and they really thanked us for including them in such a powerful um, ceremony but it can be something small something that only you do um, like writing down things that no longer serve you and burning them um, offering them up yeah 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 and adding rituals to your life um, yeah, and, and incorporating change is mm-hmm. something that uh, happens as life unfolds and they can be and, and you know in doing some research I came across a few that I'd like to share um, one was called the sweetening jar ritual and uh, it was a gratitude and uh, imagination uh, ritual that um, just had you putting good thoughts into a jar Mm -hmm. and imagining that jar was just uh, filled with sweetness and um, honey and um, you know golden sunshine and uh, as you filled it with the thoughts of uh, the joy that you wished to be in your life um, it was a way of um, well what what is a ritual it is a way of formalizing a that transition in recognition so you know here you have this uh, uh, honey pot that uh, you put good wishes in um, and it's always available to you it becomes something that you can draw from another one that I came across was a salt scrub ritual. And if you haven't had a, a salt scrub, um, you know, to remove all the dead and loose skin and uh, invigorate you and ground you to who and where you are at the moment. And, and um, you mentioned that the, that a salt scrub grounds you. That's an important piece of where you are in the liminal space. I wasn't grounded at all. I was floating all over the place. I wasn't in my body. I wasn't present. And so anything that can get you back in your body and present to the the um, moment that's here right now is, is really helpful. And another one, and, you know, kind of one of the ones that I think are, is the most powerful is any ritual that can take the power out of an old hurt. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about releasing that which does not serve you. So yeah. what can you imagine? And, you know, Nancy's going to have some writing prompts for you because writing is is a way of getting in touch with what is underneath your consciousness and, mm-hmm. and allowing something to to come through that may not ordinarily uh, become aware to your uh, conscious self. Yeah, and there, there, there's many ways of going th- of of releasing what doesn't serve you. And it's also releasing what doesn't serve you on many different levels, physical, emotional, spiritual, energetic. 
um, et cetera. And you know, think about when you go through your house and clear clutter of things that, that you haven't used for years. Think about how light your house feels. The same is true of your body and energetic field. Um, it's, it's really a powerful ritual. Another one, um, and we've talked about it, releasing the things that uh, don't serve you, a cord-cutting ritual. Mm-hmm. What can you create for yourself that um, divorces you from a pain that no longer yeah. uh, can hold, uh, have power over you? And Archangel Michael is a good one for that. You can look up Archangel Michael cord-cutting rituals and... Um, do it right there on YouTube. <laughs> as we all do, as we scroll through our day. <laughs> Spiritual renewal rituals uh, are anything that embody and incorporate the, the changes and invite change into uh, where we are and what we're doing um, to yeah. give us a sense of renewal. Well, and I... For me, one of the things that I had to recognize when I was in that liminal space was reclaiming or claiming my full intuition. Before Leah died, I knew I had intuition. I didn't always recognize it. I didn't um, always want to recognize it. I didn't want to. I knew there were responsibilities um, attached to owning my intuition, Yet when I was in that liminal space, that was one of the things I was being called very strongly to claim because my intuition was, um, is now, it's, it's, it's laser focused. I always recognize it. I turn to it and I, it's how I'm still connected with Leah. It's how I work with my clients. It, it's, Intuition and presence are how I navigate my day. And so um, learning what that is for you is is really important. Um, one of the really important things I learned through my intuition is what a full body yes f- feels like in my body. And my... my um, <laughs> My my mentor for years would tell me, if it's not a full body yes, it's a no. And I would think, well, but maybe just this one time I can say yes when I don't really want to do something and it'll be okay. Never, ever. It backfired every single time. And, and you have to <laughs> recognize that when I, – I, I do remember the last time it backfired and I said, okay, I get it. No more. No more will I do – say yes to something that isn't a full body yes. And so what is that for you? What, what gem, what gift is, is yours in the liminal space that um, will connect you to the essence of who you are? And, and what does that uh, take? You know, it takes uh, a certain amount of courage to... Yeah. Be willing to be willing, as we've talked about before, um, to encounter something that is going to make you uncomfortable and grief and, and, and to walk in the unknown. 
to, to willingly walk in the unknown every single day. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of darkness, right? Yeah. We and, started the show with that. And, yeah, and I, we, we are always walking in the unknown. We only think that we are in control of everything in, in our lives. So, so since that is true anyway, what if we made the choice to walk in the unknown and prepare ourselves to walk in, in, in the unknown by being present? You know, it, it, it's not a, um, there's not a special um, thing that, that is this um, thing that, it's, it's presence. Uh, I'm trying to describe what presence isn't, and, 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 and that's, um, can be crazy making um for me it's being present and and asking in in my heart what is needed here in this moment and always works every single time and when i'm in that space and facing the unknown um the thought that occurs to me is that um uh i can continue the possibility of living and make the choice to live my best life. Uh, taking you know, into account that you know, I may be faced with the strangeness, the uncomfortable orientation of not knowing exactly where I am at the time, but when I live in awareness of the present moment, a path becomes, becomes clear, clear and and, right. and I know what it may be the first step I take yeah. but that first step allows me to take it and then the next one and the next one let's talk about a couple of the things that might keep you stuck in that in that place and we've talked about myths before but this is a little bit of a twist on a myth um, a myth of Grief, but remember that each myth has a kernel of truth to it. So, when you're in a stuck place, when you're in a st stuck place, you may think to yourself, "I'll have to accept that my loved one isn't coming back, and, and I'm not ready to do that. So I'm going to stay here where I can hopefully change the change the outcome." Well, you can hear how crazy making that is, and yet we all have done that. And if you stay in that place, you're not going to make that passage true and um, you may become aware or say in that moment I'm afraid I'm fearful about what is going to happen next and and therefore I'm going to uh, stay isolated and, and, and yeah. be secluded because in my cocoon uh, nobody can uh, get penetrate. Nobody yeah. can penetrate me, and I can stay safe. I can't get hurt anymore. I can be a porcupine, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, roll up in a little ball, yeah. and nobody can hurt me. Right. Um, and, right. But I have all these little pointy quills that um, you know can uh, keep me safe. Yeah, keep um, people away. And yeah, and that's uh, again um, because grief is hard. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and yes, grief is hard, and. And talking about it doesn't need to be. That's, again, 
why we do what we're doing, and hopefully the message gets to people that um, while it is hard, um, there are breakthroughs that are possible if you are willing to enter into that liminal space right. with a open heart. Yeah. And that's another yeah. thing. You know, we haven't mentioned that today. Uh, having an open heart and living uh, with that presence so that uh, you're gentle with yourself. Right. It is, it's part of that self-care. It is part of um, the forgiveness and the permission that you give to yourself when something hard happens and you don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have right. to make uh, it about um, you against the world, but uh, you can yeah. you can open yourself to uh, the change and possibility. And allow yourself to be vulnerable. In, in a safe way, yeah. yeah. In, in, in a safe, in yeah. a safe environment, right. yeah. And that's what we want to create. Um, this program is uh, available uh, to help you through those times when you might not otherwise uh, feel like you have anybody on your side. Right. So, where did we? What what uh, <laughs> what progress did we make today in grieving as a rite of passage? As I begin our summary and leave time for Nancy to fill us in with some things, uh, a rite of passage is a ritual or ceremony signifying an event in somebody's life that indicates a new and different status, and. That formal transition uh, from a one state of being into another, from knowing your loved one is there to when they're missing and you ask yourself the question, what's next? We all go through them and we've named quite a few of them as rites of passage, but a rite of passage begins with separation then it be you find yourself in that liminal space that Nancy talked about where you can see your life in a broader perspective and you become detached from the state of loss and incorporate what uh, your new role will be. And with that, we come to our inspiration. For today's inspiration, I have chosen something for you to do, if you so choose. Um, I'm going to list a number of writing prompts, and I encourage you to choose three to five of them that speak to you the most. And sometimes the ones that speak to you the most are the ones that, that uh, get your attention in a way that that, that is more of resistance. So pay attention to that too. And you can go back and listen to, to this, to um, listen to them again if you need to. Um, um, I've got a bunch here. I'm not going to list all of them, but um, here they are. I feel most grounded when I... 
I feel most grateful when I. I feel most radiant when I. I feel most connected to myself when I. I feel most connected to others when I. I feel most aligned when I. And I feel most renewed when I. I like what you started out with. I feel, when I feel most resistance, I. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. When I feel most resistance, I. So these are just starting points for you. I invite you to use one of them every day. And you can use it again and again. One of the things I love doing with prompts like this is setting a timer for 10 minutes and writing for 10 minutes. If you don't know what to write, you start the sentence over. I feel most aligned when I, and you'll be amazed. I'm always amazed at what comes out of those short 10-minute writing um, exercises. So that is inspiration for you this week. I hope that you feel inspired. And we wish you blessings in this year of 2024 and um, hope that uh, everything that comes your way is enough. And with that. You've been listening to Monday Morning Conversations with Nancy and Dan. Thank you for listening. Through our own journey, we know that it's possible to find meaning, purpose, and joy again after a loss. Join us each week as we share useful information to help you develop the skills necessary to meet grief when it enters your life and to show you the importance of having difficult conversations, even when you don't know how to start them. If you're looking for more information, you can find us at our website, beingwithgrief.com.